This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Geraint Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift, the indoor cycling app. Jump on your smart trainer and jump into Zwift. Closer or welcome. Geraint, how is La La Land? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Tom. Nice and sunny, some good roads. But um, I gotta, I gotta say, all these time differences—they're frying my brain a bit. You know, being in Australia, New Zealand, trying to sort out these these pod calls, were they recordings, online chats? Yeah, with you, all the above. Yeah, they're um, poor. So now it's well, eleven p.m. with me, and was it with you? Seven. Just after seven. It's seven. Yeah. In the so morning. we've managed to find a time of day where both of us sound croaky. Yeah. Yeah. So at least you're, well, you're in tomorrow for me and I'm in yesterday for you. So how is it? Is it good? Is it good tomorrow? What's happening? It's quite dark. Oh. It's quite dark tomorrow. Um, although I'm hoping that's going to change, but it could be one of the greatest days of your life. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> Quality. Great things happen uh. on this particular day in February. Well, when the lottery numbers come through, send them through and we'll go halves. Are you happier being behind the UK or ahead of the UK? Do you like being ahead of the game or behind the game? Yeah, I don't know. It was good going from New Zealand to LA because that Friday, I think we had about 30 something hours basically in the day because the flight was maybe 12 hours, but we went back 21 hours so we actually gained nine hours whoa so we landed in la nine hours before we took off how bonkers is that i mean that is massive marginal gains that is if you think all the stuff that you've worn down the years including a gilet to save time (laughs) and then you just nab nine hours like that yeah exactly yeah so that was pretty cool although i wouldn't like to go the other way because you'd you'd lose out big time wouldn't you you'd be like suddenly so much closer to death (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah. obviously you'd never know what that day could have brought exactly yeah you just have to sort of go back to LA just to gain it again <laughs> but yeah well, it's, it's bonkers anyway this whole time malarkey isn't it but we're doing it we're doing it and um, I don't know well you've been in LA if you've been staying across the pro cycling scene but last weekend as we're recording this um, there was an absolute classic world cyclocross race did you watch it have you seen what happened i didn't watch it but i've seen the final sprint and it was violent wasn't it tom that's a great word for it it was violent yeah it's like it should have come with a parental guidance sticker like you get on m&m's albums (laughs) you know not not that they were carving each other up or swearing or punching or anything but they they were sprinting like they were i don't know Two hulks or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you have, if you listen to this and you haven't seen the race, it's Mattia van der Poel against Wout van Aert. Of course it is because it's the World Cyclocross. Um, and if you want to go and watch it on catch-up, I won't tell you who wins, although you probably know. But, Geraint, watching the two of those, um, I always find it quite strange because usually in a big sporting rivalry, you've got your favourite. So in the sort of Federer and Nadal Wimbledon final days, generally you were either in the Federer camp or the Nadal camp. And going further back with other sporting rivalries, I can remember that same feeling. But whenever I watch Mathieu van der Poel against Wout van Aert, 
I'll often change my mind who I want to win within the same lap. <laughs> yeah, I'm never too bothered, to be honest, Tom, <laughs> who wins. Cycling, pro racer for you. the winner. <laughs> but, um, no, yeah, it was like, I don't know, it's just weird watching them sprint. They just, it's just, if you were to like put power into Google, you know, if you write... I don't know, Garen Thomas in Google. I do it every week or so. Just to see what's um, happening, yeah. You, <laughs> you, got, you kind of have news or images, don't you? Yeah. I don't think you have videos, but if there was a video one and you clicked in power, it would be that sprint. Nice. It just looks like power, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like, you see someone like Cav or Caleb, it just doesn't look like that, even though they're probably, they might even go quicker, but I don't know, it was just... I think they might be milking it as well. Like, <laughs> make, let, let's make it look really powerful. <laughs> you know what I mean? They know what they're doing then, Per. Violent is such a good word because when you watch a track sprint, it's quite smooth, isn't it? And you can definitely see someone, yeah. when someone's going for it, they're pulling on the bars, but there's a smoothness to it. And when you watch a bunch sprint, there's that same thing. It is unbelievably quick, but it's smooth. But with cross, partly because you've seen them flying around these ridiculous bends and and really steep little muddy climbs but it's just it's a sort of a messy violent explosion of power isn't it yeah yeah and it's the way you're describing it it's like it's not nice but it's it's pretty cool to watch to be fair so um yeah those boys are packing a punch or two that's for sure so yeah not bad but also zoe backstead yeah we've had on the pod go back and listen to it if you haven't but um yeah great to see her Get a silver medal in the under-23s. No stopping Zoe. She's going right to the top. Oh, for sure. And um, she's a club member and this is where we're all started, I'm sure. <laughs> she would say that. <laughs> now, we have something uh, very exciting to announce, Geraint, don't we? So, on Wednesday the 15th of February at 8.30pm, that is GMT, not your time, Geraint. We'll make sure you're there. We will be recording a live podcast with cycling agent Andrew McQuaid. And you can join in. So there'll be G, me and Andrew. We'll set up on our usual online recording platform. And then anyone who has subscribed on Patreon will be able to watch along on their phone or laptop and see how we do it. So you'll be able to see how we fluff our scripts. You'll be able to see how we talk nonsense at the start. How producer Louise has to keep us on track. And G, you will be under massive pressure to read your lines correctly. Yeah, I'm hoping for... Two sentences at most, I think, there, yeah. <laughs> really. But um, no, it should be good. I'm not really feeling too nervous about it. I'm pretty chilled. I don't know if I should, should I feel nervous? I think the way it will work, I'm not sure we will see the faces. Everyone will see our faces, which makes it a tough watch for them. But I'm not sure we see the faces of everyone watching us. So you can sort of pretend it's just a normal podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it'll be fine, won't it? I think Andrew should be nervous, though. Sending any questions, actually, if you're listening, you've got any burning questions for a cycling agent, we'll, we'll get him, we'll hit him up, see what he's got to say. Sounds good. Well, if you fancy coming along, just go to patreon.com forward slash GTCC to become an official GTCC domestique, and we will see you on Wednesday night. Right, G, should we get a guest on? Do it. We all love coffee, don't we, G? Never do this pod without one, Tom. 
Or a ride, actually. Yeah, there is nothing better than a quick coffee for a cold winter ride or before hopping on Zwift. So, I know we'll both be delighted with the next sponsor of this podcast, Origin Coffee. Also, there is a cheeky discount code we've got for all our listeners. Origin Coffee are one of the leading brands on the coffee scene, and they get just how much cyclists love coffee. And get this, Tom. Origin's director of coffee... Freda is a three times UK cup tasting champion. Not once, Garrett, not twice, but three times. That is pretty impressive. Would you like another great fact? All online orders are roasted and shipped the very same day. Super speedy, just how we like it on this podcast. They also have a rewards program, so customers like you and me can earn points and get cash back every time we shop online. So why not try one of their delicious espresso blends or an interesting single origin coffee? There are so many profiles to try, and all the coffee comes in home compostable bags. So if you want to order some Origin Coffee and get a massive 30% off, just go to origincoffee.co.uk and use the code GTCC30 at checkout. That's the code GTCC30 at checkout. Go and get yours today. Enjoy! Well, we've had his mate Fred right on and we've had a lot of young guys on this season to just make me feel extra old. So it was only a matter of time, really, before we got another one, one of the greatest, brightest talents in the world of cycling at the moment, especially from the UK. Welcome to the GTCC, Ethan Hater. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. You know, I was thinking, uh, riding with you and your brother today, trying to think of some questions that we were going to ask and, uh, well... Firstly, the most obvious one, how is it in the team with your brother now? It's going to be weird, yeah. Today was the first time I've seen him in full um, team kit. Mm. And like, because we never really raced together much when we were younger, just because the gap, gap, age gap was just a little bit too big. So it's three years, isn't it? Three years, yeah. And um, the age categories are like two-year groups when you're under 16 or under 14, whatever. So we never quite raced together too much. And then um looks like we'll be kicking off. Kicking off the season together, probably. Yep, that'll be interesting to see, because you seem to have a good, um, oh, an interesting relationship. You like to wind him up. <laughs> Sometimes, That's yeah, the impression I'd... I've got already after, like, two times I've seen him together, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't say too much, but he was in a, I think he got a bit cold today, he was a bit grumpy when he was on the front with me uh, earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I remember we were riding along and Ethan got out of the saddle, Leo was behind him, and you know, sometimes the bike comes back. You don't, you know, when you get out of the saddle, it, you don't really take your bike with you sometimes. And the bike came back a bit, and Leo nearly hit the back wheel of Ethan. And he was just there, just shaking his head behind him. <laughs> I was just laughing, I sat behind, just watching him have a little. Uh... I had no idea he didn't, he didn't actually say anything. So, oh. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then and Leo came to lunch the other day, actually, didn't he, in his kit? Oh he, yeah, straight after the track testing, he did. Yeah, and he was sweating away, and Ethan was <laughs> was winding him up as as well then. So. It's funny, I think it's going to be an entertaining uh, year, at least, for me. Well, this is what you want from a big brother and a little brother combination, isn't it? Like, I don't know any brothers at all who just get on in a very neutral way. There's always, a, no, it's not tension, but it's just, the closeness means that you can take the mickey out of each other, doesn't it? I think so, yeah. I bet there are a few brothers that get on well. Do the Yateses <laughs> get on well? Yeah, Yateses seem super close, but they're twins, aren't they? Yeah, That's special. A That's a different relationship, but... How about you and your brother, G? Yeah, no, we, we're the same. We get on, but we also just like, yeah, I, I like to wind him up a bit. But I, I, I go through months without seeing him, so it's 
it's different. But yeah, I couldn't imagine it. Like my brother Alan, if he had turned pro, would have been mad. You know, and doing races like we were chatting earlier, me and Ethan. Like I was saying, can you imagine if them two end up racing together in the tour? You know, like the Schlecks did. I cut. There can't be many other brothers that have done biggest bike race in the world together on the same team. So, um, Sagan's brother wasn't on his team at any point, was he? They were on the team, but I don't think um, Little Sagan. Or was he older than him? I can't remember. The not so good one, anyway, was uh, <laughs> was never rode the tour alongside him. I don't think. Sometimes Ethan, with with the sort of sibling thing in sport, they say it helps both because you're constantly competing against each other as kids. But did that three year age gap? Did it mean that actually it's probably slightly easier or better for Leo than you because he always had you in the distance to chase? Um, probably, yeah. I mean, he wasn't actually very good for a while. <laughs> he, he'll admit that himself, you know. He um, it took him a little bit longer to go, but then maybe when he was a junior and stuff, he started really getting, getting better quicker. And I think, you know, when you look at like the... Obviously, there's been a lot of change in equipment and all that kind of stuff. But the um, the pursuit times, he was always faster than me at the Nationals, so um, he holds that against me. And my dad does as well. Oh, there we go. He's already bringing in the aerodynamics, Tom. You see? <laughs> yeah. You can see that sibling rivalry already. I put out more watts. He just had better equipment at the time. I probably felt less as well. <laughs> Did he not get the hand-me-down stuff, Ethan? Is, would, if Leo were here, would that be his defence that he always had your knockoff gear that you'd used? No, he had nicer stuff, I think. he. Um, <laughs> I was always borrowing stuff and then... Yeah, maybe there was a few things that I started to keep that had been borrowed maybe or something and he ended up with them as well. So I think he'd do right out of it. So you both um, started in Hearn Hill? Yeah. yeah. With Fred Wright as well was down there at the same time? Yeah, Fred and um, Tom Gloag, who's also just joined Jumbo. Right. Another guy. Well, there's, I mean, there was loads of us, but... Yeah. Was that VC... VCL, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we had a bit of a rivalry, mainly flyers. Not so much with VCL because you didn't have any... Riders my age are that good. Tom White was there. He was a bit older than me. I don't oh, know if yeah. you remember him. Yeah, yeah. He was on the academy when I was on the academy first year. But um, yeah, Palmer Park, like Redim, was more <laughs> our... Um, they were our big rivals. Were they, were they big rivals for you as well then? Or? They didn't have so many riders by the time uh, I was racing. I guess yeah. it fluctuates a bit each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mendy Flyers or Cardiff Jeff as well. Cardiff Jeff, yeah. Those were the days. But <laughs> flyers are still going well, I think, Tom. So, yeah, still producing. That's good to hear. Ethan, did you, when you were riding at Hearn Hill, because there's so much history at that place, isn't there? There's been times in its history when it's looked a bit tired and bedraggled. It's in a great nick again now. There was some crazy stuff, I seem to remember, around the time of the 2012 Olympics, that it was the only venue that was still going that had been used in the 1948 Olympics, something like that. Were you conscious of all that history when you were pedalling around, or was it just a place where you had fun? Um, a bit of both, yeah. You know, you kind of when we first, I first went in, it had just been resurfaced. You know, like the Save the Velodrome campaign yeah. and stuff. It it just been saved and resurfaced, so I kind of missed the bit before. But um, now you do kind of go in, and it, just at first, like glance, it is a big, scary place. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like there's a lot of history, but I mean, that's because there's really old changing rooms, and just like this is well, the oldest. All the changing rooms and like grandstand were. Um, derelict. derelict. There was, oh. was Port Toulouse at the time when I first went. <laughs> okay, but it's all been um, should come down. It's all been there's a new grandstand and everything. Oh, nice. And, Does uh, they do they still do that? Is it Good Friday? They don't. It's a shame actually because I um, there's a wall inside and it's got photos of all the 
big riders that have ridden there in the past, and most yeah. of them were at Good Friday, had gone yeah. down for that. And there it doesn't happen anymore, which is a bit of a shame, but there's plenty of other events. So did your mum and dad ride or No, no one really in my family rode, so which so is... if they didn't save the velodrome, you might not be sat here now then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a fluky off chance, I guess. Just goes to show that's the only reason I got into cycling as well, because of Mandy was a outdoor velodrome that had a swimming pool. I was going swimming and I had to go on the track as well. So these outdoor velodromes are pretty handy, really, when you think about it. So why did you first go down, Ethan? So if, if G's was an accidental thing post-swimming lesson, what took you down there? I think I'd seen like um, a World Cup or something on TV. It was actually before the Olympics, so I guess they were showing more cycling um, in 2012. Um, 2012 you started yeah <laughs> yeah unlucky g blimey charlie yeah. <laughs> so you started in 2012 yeah how old were you then i think i was 13 turning 14 okay oh wow do feel old yeah sorry <laughs> what were you saying anyway and uh i think i saw it and i thought oh that's kind of cool and then it somehow came up talking to my friends and a couple of them had been down to Hern hill that weekend before mm. and you go down on a saturday morning or Friday night still, I think. And it's like two pounds and you get a bike out of a shipping container and off you go. Away you go. Yeah. So I went down and kind of got hooked from there, really. That's so good you can still do that in cycling, isn't it? Because that's quite famous, that setup at Hearn Hill. So I used to live in London and people would talk about it. That you could just go down and turn up and borrow a bike. But in a sport as expensive to get into a cycling, that's, that's something pretty special. You can just turn up and pay a couple of quid, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it's... Fortunate track bikes are quite easy to maintain as well. Yeah. So uh, they were obviously quite old and stuff, but they all worked well. And I mean, they got looked after by the volunteers there. So it's part of um, part of the reason it's such a good place, I guess. So then fast forward a few years, your track was your where you started. That was your main mm. goal, really, I guess. You you like? Did you compete at Junior Worlds on uh, the track? Um, we did, yeah, in the second year. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously now riding Olympics and world titles and because your current which i forgot this was a bit embarrassing today <laughs> but you won the team pursuit this year and the omnium and the omnium yeah and second in the madison second in the madison yeah so pretty decent palmares on the track yeah it was pretty um it's weird coming at the end of the season it's quite a nice way to finish the season back with the like british squad yeah um but then like you're kind of so tired and stuff it just kind of you're almost going through the motions a little bit and you it's always a, have to look back and reflect a bit to, yeah. to like take it in what that was quite good that's the one thing it is like you go on to the next thing on to the next thing but I guess because there's a change as well it's different different surroundings different like you say you were GB not with Ineos and a change is good as rest and all that mm. but um, it's pretty full on for you guys like Garner as well like you're chatting to him and he's here there and everywhere like he's got track sessions and then he's doing altitude and then he's racing the tour and then he's like doing this and that so yeah, with the track being more like a winter sport now, it's um, it's full on for you guys, isn't it? It's actually changing, but oh, yeah? you might not have realised, yeah, but it's changed. So the World Cups are in the summer and the world's just at the end of the year. They might change ah. it back, but I think it actually works quite well for the guys that are doing. They said it would clash more with the road season, but it's nice not to have to be going too well at the moment. Yeah. And have stuff coming up. Mm. So what about the near future then? You obviously silver medalist Olympics. Yeah, in the Madison with uh, Matt Walls. Yeah, so Paris obviously in your sights. 
I think so, yeah. It's going to be um, a bit of a balancing act with looking at maybe doing the road race and maybe doing the time trial and then there's all the track events and you kind of... I'll be full on that. Yeah, I think it it could work, but it's uh, trying to get it right and trying to get, you know, when um, trying to look at the program Mm. and work out which way fits best to get everything, get as much as I can out of it. Mm. It's quite a G-style development program you're on there, Ethan, isn't it? In terms of (laughs) winning medals on the track, loving your time trialling, dipping your toe into stage racing. Going, any advice at this point? I think he's doing a great job as he is, mate, to be honest. But um, no, I think it's good. It is good to, the track just gives you so much as a kid, I think, you know, and well, to continue doing it as well. Just, you know, the cadence, the pedaling style for straight up. And then obviously the speed it gives you, you know, the power at speed, the, you know, the bike handling, like riding the Madison, like reading a race, you know, having to think, you know, tactically and be aware of what's happening around you as well, especially in the Madison, as I say. Um yeah, like just going through gaps and just just everything, you know. I think it, it sets you up so well for road racing, and you can see that instantly with Ethan. You know, like how many races did you win this year? Well, in twenty twenty two, six on the road. Six, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, winning bunch sprints or you know from small groups and won your first world tour stage in Romandy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was there for that as well. So it was great to. Oh, I helped you a bit, but I was a bit <laughs> limited. I, was, <laughs> I did what I could, but um, no, everyone was uh, everyone was great that day. It was. Oh, we took and, it on, mate, didn't we? Yeah. Oh yeah, we did. We took it on. Yeah, we yeah. took it to him, Tom. That's good to but, hear. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, you know, I think once he once you've gone to Paris, hopefully won that gold medal. Yeah, I think you can really focus on the the road and just see where it takes you because um saying this about Magnus as well, but I think stage racing is one thing where both of you can really develop as well. You know, once you get older and you just sort of get a bit more endurance, you know, you lean up a bit more and yeah, be interesting to see how it goes. What do you think you learnt this year, Ethan? So you made your debut in your first Grand Tour at the Vuelta. You obviously had the Tour of Poland as well. Um, and that's just the stage racy stuff. Do you feel that you're adding something every time that you're racing at this point in your career? Yeah, I think I've not actually done that many race days um, in the past, you know, because I was balancing the track quite nicely before. But one thing you miss is like sometimes you do 20 or 30 days a year rather than the 60, 70 that's normal for road guys. Um, And so this year, one of the goals was to get a lot more experience. And I think uh, I think that's really helped with you just pick stuff up every day. I mean. I don't know about you, but you might still be doing it. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like um, always little things in races that you take into the next race and um, it's quite complicated really, the bike racing, even though it's just the first person wins, but there's a lot to uh, lot to take in. You look like you can win in different ways though, and you have won in different ways. Like you've got that ability to win a sprint. Um, you've obviously got the ability from your time trialing if you wanted to, to go off the front and solo, you could do that as well. Yeah, I've not actually won. I was talking, we were talking about this the other day. I've not won a race solo yet since I was a junior, but um, maybe I'll try this year at some stage. <laughs> I did try last year; it didn't work. But yeah, I think I've I've had good opportunities in a lot of races, and um, just kind of even if a finish might not be perfect for me, I've just kind of had a go, and sometimes it's worked, and sometimes it hasn't. So um, it's been good fun. You just got to work on that 
a CDA on your road bike. <laughs> that's one of the things we're looking at, yeah. Because <laughs> that's that's what all the young guys talk about now, isn't it, Tom? CDA, mm. which I didn't really even know what it was until um, Magnus explained to me. But I was saying to Tom, like, all you guys are so clued up on this type of stuff. And that's that's the one big difference for me. Like, I get it. I understand that it's important and stuff, but I'm, I'm more just, yeah, tell me what to put on and, you know, just push. But you guys really... You're all clued up, plappy as well. And to hear you guys chatting about all this and that, and it's interesting, but it's like it shows the big difference from when I was like sort of your age. What is your CDA? Or don't be too specific because it might be a precious number. But I don't know exactly. It really, you know, if you do one thing in a wind tunnel or one thing somewhere else, you get completely different numbers every time. Mm. But I think it's pretty good. I think some of it is a bit <laughs> like, um, uh, what's the word? Like, like guys, for instance, we got Bingham who. Certainly knows his stuff because he'd be the first to say he's pretty limited in his physical attributes compared to like the guys in the pro team where he's in the team kind of, isn't he? But the stuff that he has learned and that he does aerodynamically makes such a big advantage. Yeah. But how much is it like, could they just say like, oh, look, this saves you two watts or this saves you an extra bit. So psychologically you're thinking wow, I've got 10 watts to play with here, or... No, I think you can just use it. Um, you try and do everything you can in one part of it. And then obviously there's stuff like your weight. And well, I'm, What I'm trying to say is, because he give you a bit extra just mentally by just no, a few no. white lies? Because I don't trust him fully. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, if he's telling me I'm saving 10 watts, how come I'm still losing by 30 seconds? That's an exaggeration, but... You could be losing by 40 seconds, Gene. <laughs> yeah true yeah maybe I think I think there's loads of like I think some of the testing you have to take it you can't always um, you know if one thing saves you one amount mm. it's not always like a black and white sliding scale because it could also affect you know it's how the whole thing works together and mm. yeah 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 for sure save you that much but I think if like you just follow the general trends of stuff being faster and sometimes you put all that stuff on for the race and then it pays off sometimes <laughs> yeah no it makes sense because like you know on the track i'd say it's probably a bigger difference because on the road it takes it's how you ride the race as well for instance if it's a rolling race if you're doing the same power up and down that's not necessarily the quickest you know you if you go 200 watts more up and 200 watts less down the speed difference going up is a lot more compared to the going down bit if that makes any sense but one thing that's uh interesting is that if you're actually really aero mm. you can afford to go even easier on the downhill yeah yeah and then more harder on the uphill and it's even faster yeah yeah <laughs> i need to get my aero then <laughs> where's this bingham keep dude what, what is he doing he keeps, apart from he, crashing and he's spending all day at the track and then ride into the side of cars i think is what, <laughs> what I've heard. uh time trialists one of our guests earlier in the series, Ethan, was Evie Richards, mountain biker. And the thing that she said that stuck with both me and G was that um, after her various experiences in her riding career is that things still have to be fun. And if it's fun, she, she does it. And if it's not fun, she doesn't do it. So I wonder with you, when you've made this transition from riding at Hearn Hill um, through into the pro ranks and you're having so much success, does it still feel fun like it felt at Hearn Hill? Yeah, I mean, sometimes more fun. I did uh, I did Gen 6 there the other week, and that was 
quite hard the first couple of days because I was a little bit unfit. But then uh, as we rode into it, me and uh, Fred Wright had a lot of fun. But obviously there's a lot of pressure in certain moments of the season and that's different. But um, I think at the end of the day, you do. You, you, I enjoy most of the races I do if the weather's all right. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's the big thing. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's if you're not having fun doing it, it makes it a lot harder as well. Obviously, you can't force yourself to have fun, but I generally do, so it's a bonus, I guess. <laughs> I think it's easier in the te- what team you're in as well, because that's part of the reason, or the main reason that I would like to finish my career here, is because most of my mates are here, most of the staff are, you know, I'm close with and pally with, and you do just have more of a laugh and better time around, you know, guys you like, don't you? Like, I'm not saying I don't like guys in other teams, I'm sure I'd get on with them, but, you know, it takes a bit of time to get to know people, doesn't it? And just like, you know, this environment works for me. And yeah, that's what it's all about really, isn't it? Because I think you can do it, but if if you're hating it, it's different. But if you're doing it and not having fun, you can. But I think you get a lot more longevity if you're enjoying it at the same time. I think you perform better as well, usually, if you're... Yeah, yeah. In a, you're in a relaxed environment, but you also know just what you've got to do at a race and... Uh... That is quite important. Would it be fun if Leo was, you were having to work for him, your brother, your younger brother? It probably would be, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Depends how long I was working for him for, maybe not 10 seasons in a row, but <laughs> <laughs> racer or there maybe. I read quite an interesting interview with one of your parents, Ethan, and they were saying because they didn't come from a cycling background at all themselves, that they got into quite a good situation with you where they would obviously support you and your brother as you were coming through the junior ranks and they'd be driving you around the country and getting your bikes ready and all that sort of stuff. But they didn't feel like they had to offer you advice on the actual racing. They didn't have to try and tell you what to do. Um, Was that a good thing from your perspective? Is that the sort of thing where as a kid or as a junior, you start working out yourself and you start solving your own problems rather than having someone else tell you what to do? Yeah, a bit, I guess. Um, you know at the time when you're just starting out it's annoying because everyone else's parents are doing the bikes for them and me and my dad <laughs> had to kind of we weren't really sure what we were doing had to kind of work it out and kind of get a bit of help from somebody else or here or there and I'd have bikes fall apart on me in some races but um, it's part of the fun isn't it part of the learning yeah and yeah I guess I did I did probably still have a couple of arguments with my dad driving back from races where I said oh, I couldn't get in the breakaway or something that ended up winning and he said, well, you should have, and I went back and forth there. But Just try harder. Yeah, yeah. But right. That sounds familiar to me as well, though, Tom, because obviously, yeah, my dad had no clue. But, yeah, I think yeah, my dad's thing was always about just uh, trying to speak to a few people, see what they think, and then, you know, help me out that way. But then most of it was, like you say, you know, just you're making mistakes and learning from it and just getting out there and just trying hard, having fun. And what will be, will be type thing. But um, I do remember once when we went up all the way up to Scotland for the Nationals. And it was a sprint, basically. And Cav won. No, Bramier. Bramier went off the front. He was away. And Cav beat me in sprint for second, obviously. Um, and I was third. But halfway through the race, my dad was telling me afterwards, he was like, oh, halfway through that race, when I kept seeing you at the back, I was getting so annoyed. I was like, we haven't driven seven hours <laughs> for you to just ride around at the back. And then just do nothing all day. So uh, that sounds familiar, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, at least I managed to get third. 
keep him happy. But yeah, Ethan's got a bit of stick for that, for sitting at the back. Oh, I have, yeah. <laughs> what? Because, yeah, I've done a few races with you now, and um, my impression was that you, on the climbs and stuff, you want to just ride easier, save it, and drift back. Or ride my pace at times, yeah. Yeah. It, and it then completely depends on the scenario of the race, and sometimes I've got it wrong. Mm. And I, I know I've got it wrong. And Because uh, then, yeah, sometimes the race can just go off and it's it's harder to get back. And then it's yeah, almost exactly. like, well, spend the energy to save later on type thing. But yeah, you've had a bit of stick. Oh, you went across the line, didn't you? Given it, which was quite funny. <laughs> yeah. I had his finger across his lips, like the whole shh. And because um, it just seems so out of character to me because you're such a, just a quiet, polite, you know, yeah. nice guy. And then he's doing like, getting quite <laughs> aggressive and a bit like. I think yeah. one of my friends had said it would have been funny the night before or something, and uh, <laughs> there'd been loads of stuff all over social media. And uh, I just thought, you know, just in the in like the split seconds you cross the line, your heart rate and adrenaline is so yeah. high, isn't it? In a bunt sprint, and I did do like a normal celebration afterwards, but obviously all the cameras got the first part and uh, <laughs> got quite a good photo of the finish there. <laughs> <laughs> nice one for the photo album. Yeah. What would you say your best characteristic is? Not not as a not physically, Ethan, but but mentally. So I read something about you talking about how you're stubborn and that actually stubbornness for a bike racer is quite a good thing to have. Yeah, I don't know best characteristic. Maybe yeah, maybe there has been times I've had setbacks and stuff like COVID after the I had to leave the world to halfway through and kind of a bit of my bit of me was thinking oh maybe i should just sack in the rest of the season and go on holiday but i kind of i ended up doing both the road worlds and track worlds and kind of just got on with it i guess as a way of putting it and getting good results as well fourth in the time trial and then it was really really worth it yeah ninth in the road race yeah and maybe if i hadn't dropped my chain it could have been better but uh it was a really good way to end the end the year that last month yeah you don't have to talk to me about mishaps and tts <laughs> At least you've got some. At least you've got time on your side. I'm sure you can. Uh, I'll say it now. You'll you'll win a world time trial title. That's not exactly being ballsy because you know it's pretty obvious you got the potential. So, but um, yeah, I don't think you get great odds on that. But there we go. Called it. Here's your first. Nice. I like it. Um, has there been much chat with Fred Wright this season? We had him on the on the pod earlier in this series, Ethan. And obviously, you two are good mates and your you know housemates. Um, and he had a great 2022. Was there a fair amount of texting going on between the two of you? You have a good result, then he has a great result, and you have a good result, and he nearly wins a stage in the tour. Yeah, a good, a good amount. It's um, it's really weird. Like he was at Herne Hill when I started going down, and he'd been already racing for a year or two, so he was already winning everything. And um, but we kind of grew up from 14 onwards, training multiple times a week and like hanging out and stuff and it's weird now i remember sitting in in newport actually in celtic banner mm. we're on like the olympic holding camp ready to go off to tokyo and uh watching fred on the tv every day and then i think they won the team prize or something and you know, he's like stood in the podium and like that was pretty it's pretty cool actually in paris and um almost weird, like, aggressive or something was he or no i think the whole t- this was last year i think the whole time ah, okay okay yeah and uh it's just weird watching your friends on TV, really. Obviously, yeah. it's, it gets a bit different now because then you start to know your teammates quite well and other people in the bunch. But yeah, it's quite um, quite strange doing all these races together. Yeah, because you've never been direct competitors almost. 
Like you've sort of no. you've done really well in the races you've done, and he's done really well, and he's you know in what he's done. It'll be interesting once you actually come to a race where you can both perform. Yeah, I think the world to this year we might have had a few head to heads, mm. but is it as Pally then? Like you're gonna chop him there was uh no we actually we did opening weekend together this um yeah. this year and it was just coming into the moor and the group was actually quite big and i said fred we need to go left and he went i'm not fucking taking you to the front and i said no no fred you know like just the way the bunch was moving over to the right and like, we could have gone yeah and just we laughed right afterwards because like oh, in my head i thought you were trying to flick me and then i realized you weren't and, uh yeah it was oh, you, quite funny. you've got to remember that mate he's He's fully out to get you then. Maybe, uh, yeah. No, we've uh, flick or be flicked and all that. In Paranese as well, we were quite <laughs> close to each other each day, so we started um, having a tally of who was finished ahead of each other. <laughs> he got me though. He was flying. So, <laughs> what was your closest relationship to that G with the riders that you came through onto the road with? Yeah, it was kind of strange because in my age group, my year, there was only me and Dan Martin. So, like, Cav, I'd obviously spent a lot of time with, but he was a, a year older than me, and me and Cav were never direct competitors because, well, uh, I'm not a sprinter. On the track, I guess, we had a bit of... But then even Team Pursuit, he wasn't really... And we didn't really... We wanted to ride Madison's together, but then it just never really materialised. Like, Madison was cut from the Olympics for London and stuff like that. So it's always been great to see Cav do what he's done and doing. So, yeah, it was only Dan Martin, really. And, you know, we had a few battles like Junior Tour Wales and stuff. And I was really annoyed because I had a bit of a cold. And that's my excuse. And I'm sticking to it. After... Fred, Fred actually did the Quieto on me in uh, the last day of Tour Wales. And did he? As my teammate, he went and won the Avril, yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go, Tom. See, it's, <laughs> it's common in cycling that your so called mates flick <laughs> yeah. you and go up the road <laughs> and you can't chase. But, um, yeah, so me and Dan always had a bit of that. But, yeah, we. We were always kind of different races and riders as well because I was on the track and I was doing classics and, you know, he's performing really well in the Ardennes and he was winning stage races and, yeah, he was sort of then staying around that sort of area and I went off into Grand Tours and so, yeah. But it is funny when you look back, like you see all the guys, like me especially now, you know, Ethan and Fred are at the start of their careers. But like for me, like now... When I think back to me and Luke Rowe dancing around in his front room doing the full Monty for his nan, like <laughs> when we're 12, we didn't go completely full Monty. We kept our wife fronts on. But, <laughs> but like, just a picture of his nan's face. Was she aware that you were going to do the full Monty? Was it clear with her in advance or was it just an impromptu full oh, Monty? Oh, yes. She was clapping along, mm. big smile on her face. She was loving it, Tom. You can leave your but, hat on. Was that your tune? <laughs> I can't even remember. Yeah. And his brother, Matt, as well. Yeah. The three of us. But, um, yeah, you know, you go around racing on park in parks on pavements and stuff together, and you know, with Swifty and Stannard as well, and um, you know, now Stannard's a DS in this team, and like, not really our boss, but you know, he is. We work together, and it's a different capacity to how we used just to race alongside each other. So that's strange, but yeah, it's uh, you build up some pretty good relationships, really. It's mad that you all end up in the same top of the sport, you know? Like, yeah. I remember in 2007, me and Cav on London Bridge at the start of the Tour de France and just looking at each other thinking, like, well, we said, like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, what is going on? But, um, yeah, pretty cool memories, really. Yeah. Where do you want the next few years to take you, Ethan? Like, there's no need for you to specialise, is there, at this point in your career? But if you were to throw forward into the future... 
and you had a choice of success in some of the different disciplines or in some of the different aspects of road racing, which one would you go for? I'm not really sure, actually. I think I don't see a massive need to specialise at the moment. I think doing what I'm doing is uh, giving me a lot of opportunities in different like uh, styles of races and stuff. But definitely this year, I'd like to finish a Grand Tour, maybe, because <laughs> after the, the Vuelta with COVID and stuff, and um, just to get that experience, really, and maybe try and win a stage somewhere um, in a Grand Tour would be a nice thing to get ticked off and big achievement for me. So, yeah, that'd be nice and just kind of keep exploring uh, my opportunities and keep improving. Maybe get a good chance in the tour this year, Tom. I think, you know, because with our team now, it's said it before, in a bit of transition. And this year, it's probably the first time in a good number of years we don't have a... we got guys that can perform on GC, but we don't have a real solid, like, you know, like in the past when we've had, you know, Froomey and stuff. So it's a good opportunity for guys to go there and go for stages. And, you know, Tom Pidcock's obviously going to try and develop there, I would have thought, GC-wise. You know, we've got Danny Martinez to, you know, the boys can help out. But then I think there's also an opportunity for guys like Ethan, if they go, to look at those stages as well. You know, there's so many, as we saw in 2022, there's so many stages now that are open for Ethan's sort of characteristics. You know, we saw Pogaccio win that uphill sprint and Van Aert win an uphill sprint. And those type of stages are ones where Ethan can perform in really well as well. And we've got a really good team for and a good squad for, for that. So that'll be... That'll be interesting as well. See what happens happens there. Was that the one as a kid, Ethan, that you used to watch? It is for most riders, the tour. Was that the one that you used to come home from school and sit in front of? Yeah, I think it was um, before I was really into cycling. I think my dad used to watch the tour for some reason on, uh, you know, like the seven o'clock highlight show or whatever. Yeah, yeah Channel 4, the, yeah. The theme, I just remember the theme music, yeah. Uh, so that would be pretty special, I think, to to even line up there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe in a few years it'll be Ethan and Leo lining up there. <clears throat> Ethan riding the front for his brother <laughs> in the mountains every day, winding <laughs> each other up. But yeah, yeah, shaking your head at him. Bloody yeah, idiot! Throw my bike back even more. Next time he says, "Is it? Is it true? This is random now, but about your dad again." Tom mentioned that is he was he a DJ or something, or was there some music in your family? Or he does DJ sometimes, but as a hobby, really. What's my, his DJ name? He doesn't have one of those. My aunt does DJ though, actually. Really? Well, she's um, she's called Lou Hater. If you're into music, and she makes her own music as well. Um, right. She was she was in some bands when she was younger, but and she she also as well as making her music, she DJs at some events and stuff. Nice. She do weddings. <laughs> she probably would, yeah. If you're uh, yeah. looking for someone. Well, yeah, we can get you know, we can recommend her if she's any good at our place. I think she's pretty good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lou Hater, I'm gonna is she on Spotify then? She is, yeah. I'm gonna as soon as we're off here, Tom, I'm Lou Hater on Spotify, see what that's all about. So how hey. about you? You obviously didn't get any of this musical because uh, 'cause I've heard you sing. Oh, oh really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I quite like music, but maybe I'm not uh, not as talented in that yeah. aspect. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the legs. Was your uncle in a band as well, Ethan? Was your was it your uncle in New Young Pony Club? Is that true? No, that was my aunt. That's she was your... in that band. Ah, okay, okay. Were they big then? Did Did you know them, Tom? Yeah, they were sort of about from about 2007 to about maybe 2012. They were sort of indie dance 
Is that fair, Ethan? So they had a single called Ice yeah. Cream. That's the one that everyone remembers. So that's the one to look up on Spotify. G. Ice Cream. Right. New Young Pony Club. Right, yeah. As soon as we're done here, I'm going to be blasting that. <laughs> final, final question for me, Ethan. Um, will you be picking Geraint's brains at all? As someone who is significantly older than you, but has ridden a lot of big races. Oh, well, we both rode with the same. We both won world titles with Ed Clancy, so... That is true. He's the, the missing link, isn't big. he? <laughs> yeah, but sorry, yeah. I think, I think I've already been asking a few questions today, actually. I seem to remember. And yeah. I can't remember what we were talking about, but been in the same group for the first couple of training rides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. thing is, like, it's... I don't know. You know, you get some people who like to just... Yeah, they're older, they're more experienced, and they like to just stand up and, like, give lectures. Yeah. That's definitely not me. <laughs> It's more just like lead by example a bit and then you just chat, uh, you know, dead casual to the guys really about stuff. So I always find it a bit weird, like, yeah, when people ask those sort of questions about me, it's a bit strange, you know, but um, we definitely got a good, there's a good balance. There's there's a lot of young guys, like Ethan's not even seen as a young guy, which is bonkers now because there's so many other younger ones. In, in the Andorra camp, I think I was one of the, there was 11 of us and I was like third oldest or something at, at 23. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But then, you know, people were like uh, Luke Rowe, Swifty, myself. Even the DSs now, though, like, you know, Steve Cummins and Stanard, who've only recently retired. There's a good mix there. So um, hopefully the young guys just sort of, um, but as we said, as Evie said, enjoy it at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Ethan, thanks so much for joining us on the GTCC been good fun thanks for having me yeah thank you very much and um yeah good luck next season good luck in the olympics and good luck with every other race you do especially against fred and i'll be there trying to help you maybe against you or... <laughs> <laughs> and the worlds worlds yeah. obviously in the uk that's a big one yeah that must all, be a big target in august next year so we um, yeah oh will you be doing track and road there yeah it's a bit trickier there than at the olympics i think so it's going to be again trying to get the balance right yeah well, hopefully I'll be there with you. Sweet. Got fond memories of Glasgow, haven't you? Uh, yeah. Oh, the comedy games, yeah. 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 No, I, yeah, I was thinking then, hang on, <laughs> <laughs> what happened in Glasgow. But yeah, no, good memories. So yeah, a repeat would be very nice. Cheers, bud. Cheers. Gee, I am delighted to announce that we have got Momentus back on board as a sponsor for Series 3 of the GTCC. Momentus, a little bit like UG, are dedicated to optimising both the mind and body and they're leading the way for high performance seekers at all levels. Right, so for those not familiar with Momentus, G, tell us all about their flagship product. Yeah, so PR lotion is something I've used on my body for years, Tom. It basically delivers bicarb directly to your muscles via your skin and bypasses the gut, which I don't know if you've ever drunk bicarb, Tom, but that's a big plus. The best time to use it, I find, is an hour and a half before your workout on Zwift or out on the road or whatever you're doing. And it's not too sticky either. It doesn't get stuck in your hairs if you've forgotten to shave. And it definitely helps me train harder. All of this is true, G. It is actually scientifically proven to improve performance and decrease muscle soreness and helps you make all those training goals. If you want to get your hands on some PR lotion, Momentus are giving GTCC members, that's you listening right now, yes you, 25% off. Give them the code G. Just head over to PRLotion.com and use the code GTCC2022 to get 25% off today. 
Enjoy. Tom, Zwift are back for their third season sponsoring the GTCC. Which means our Wednesday 6pm group rides continue. Exactly. Just hop on your trainer, open up the Zwift app and join the group ride. You get to ride alongside us, all our club members and wear the in-game GTCC jersey. And if you're new to Zwift, just go to Zwift.com to start your free trial today. During this season of the pod, we're going to be walking you through all the new stuff we've been trying out on the app. Just think of us as your testing team. So Chairman Tom, what have you been trying this week? Zwift have released a new map, Scotland, just in time for the UCI Esports World Championships this Saturday night. That's the 18th of February. The best of the best in the indoor cycling world will be competing. There are 100 men, 100 women starting their respective races. Fields will then be whittled down over the course of three races before the last man and last woman left standing are crowned UCI Esports World Champions. You can watch the racing live on Zwift's Facebook, on the UCI's YouTube channel or on Global Cycling Network from 6pm GMT on Saturday. And if you want to ride these World Championships routes, you can. Just head to Zwift.com to grab your Zwift hub or to start your free 14-day Zwift trial. Tom, time for any other business now. Who's been in touch with us this week? Well, gee, we have had messages from quite a few people about the recent Sam Warburton pod, most saying how incredibly enthusiastic he is. Um, a few want to double-check he hasn't persuaded you to retire, though. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. But it's it's always just nice speaking to people that have retired, just so, one, to sort of prepare yourself a bit for it, and two, to sort of put you off doing it for a while as well. Because it's not a bad life, is it, being a pro athlete? doing what you love. I still enjoy riding my bike and racing my bike. So uh, long may it continue, I say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I've wondered, and I'm not talking you into retirement, will you still be able to get free bikes? Oof, I don't know. That's a tricky one, isn't it? I'm, I feel like I've got a, a nice relationship with Pinarello after how many years? Almost 13 years, 14 years. They might help me out when I stop. I don't know. We'll see. I'll have to... Um, Start learning Italian and maybe stop putting pineapple on my pizza, but <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But anyway, I hear we've also had quite a few emails, Tom. Are we going to read some out? Yeah, why don't we? So we have had a message in from Mark Ianson, who says, I'm an avid listener to your pod. I haven't missed a single episode. He says, I also listened to the other one. Luke may not be as professional as Tom, but he does add something. What I would say to that, Mark, is that Luke is very professional at riding his bike, and that's what matters. Um, Mark continues, <laughs> I organise a sportif event in Northumberland called the Hayden 100. This year, it's on the 10th of June. Our longest route is 140 kilometres and is called the Sky Rider and includes five of the six highest roads in England. If any GTCC members would like to join us, just search for the Hayden 100 on the web. It would be great to see some of you. We've got 60 kilometre and 100 kilometre routes as well. So there is something for everybody. You ever ridden up there, G, in Northumberland? I haven't, no, but that's a pretty cool stat, isn't it? Five out of six. Do you reckon they've just had a road, though, and just done a little... I don't know, a little like mile curve to it, you know, so you can turn off, just do an extra little loop and back onto the same road just to add a few more roads of that height. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Do you reckon they've cheated it that way? So there's one main road and then there's a couple of like farm tracks off it. Exactly. They just come back onto the same road like a mile later. <laughs> but no, it sounds like a great sport, Eve. Yeah, hopefully 
plenty of GTCC members will get down to that and wear the jerseys and gilets with pride. Superb. So uh, I think you're going to like this next one, G. This is an email from another Mark, Mark Daly, who has got in touch to say, I listened to the episode with Jonas Vinegar and the fact that he was flown home from the Tour de France in the back of a fast jet. Now, I work in the RAF and I've recently had a meeting with the PR manager at the Red Arrows. And I thought I'd mention G's comment about anyone trying to get a trip in the back of a fast jet. It turns out that Ian Stannard has had a go in the back of a Red Arrow and they've got one of his jerseys up in their crew room. Apparently it is doable and the PR manager is keen on having G along too. Thoughts, Geraint? I'd 100% be keen for that. Would you? Stannard, I knew Stannard done that because his brother's um, in the RAF. So we right, inside think a actually job. picked him up at a bike race. Yeah. He did a race in Belgium, one of the classics. I think the boys went off on the bus to go to the airport to, you know, then fly back. And I think he went to this other airstrip with his brother flew home i think by the time the boys had even got to the airport he was in the uk driving back to his house type thing whoa i think it was just like unreal how quick it was but oh 100 percent, i would love to do that hopefully the pr dude has some weight and he can sort of make things happen but have you seen that thing on netflix anything about um the pepsi advert no. when they tried to buy a jet Oh, yeah. Or you could win yeah, a jet yeah, yeah, with yeah. a certain amount of tokens. or Didn't someone start hmm. saving up sufficient tokens? Yeah, there was like a little um, small print that you could buy a token for like 10 cents or something. So it, you could basically buy this jet for $700,000. Is, is that a bargain? I think it is. And then it, yeah, you have to watch it. But yeah, it goes through this whole thing. I won't say what happens. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm not buying it, am I? But there'd be... That would be awesome to go in the back of one of them, 100%. With your Stannard story, the way that my mind is portraying this to me is that all the riders are on the, the it would have been Team Sky at that point, wouldn't it? The riders are all on the Sky bus and as they're driving along this A road, there's just this thunderous roar and then Stannard <laughs> comes along in a red arrow and it flips on its side and it basically does a, a flyby <laughs> just over the roof of the bus um, and it's got red, white, and blue smoke trails coming out the back. Pretty much that was like, that was it, yeah. Yeah. But his brother could have been a bit nicer and just done the trip like seven or eight times, however many guys <laughs> were in the team, and they'd all be home within an hour. <laughs> Selfish, I say. Come on, Stanard family. Um, finally, Garrett, <laughs> we have had a question in from Ben Glencross in Adelaide. Ben asks, in the UK, we break with left rear, right front, and in Europe, it's reversed. So Ben's question is, what do the pros do and what do the British pros do? Yeah, we break with the right, as in the back is the right. Yeah, and it's opposite in the in the UK. And I don't know why that is. Why is that? That's always wound me up, that. Yeah. Does it not? Have you not switched bikes sometimes and had that issue? No, no, no. I think everyone is on right brake back, for sure, in our team. Anyway, I don't know if there's any pros. There might be some weird... I don't know, Englishman up from up north, Nutsford way, <laughs> that has them the other way around. But uh, now I'm pretty, I, yeah, I'll have to ask around. But um, as far as I know, the whole peloton's on the same, same way. I don't know why they're different. Why would they be different? Well, I'm just trying to think when you, let's say you get in a hire car in Europe, 
clearly the steering wheel's on the other side, but the pedals are all the same, aren't they, down below? Yeah. I'm not sure the point I'm trying to make there. It's just, <laughs> it's just blown my mind slightly. <laughs> the brake's on the same the side, isn't it? The brake's on the same like side, yeah, and the clutch is in the same place. The accelerator, yeah. Wow. Oh, God knows. What came first, though? Or who came first? Who invented the bike? This is a question I feel we should know the answer to. Yeah. I'm going European, did. I'm going Italian. Yeah, I'd go like French rather than like a British or... Yeah. I've absolutely no idea. It's probably like a Scandinavian, though, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I'm sure the people out there listening to this know the answer. So um, please do inform Garrett and I. We'll read out some answers next time. In the meantime, have a great time. We'll see you next week. Ciao, ciao. That was the Garrett Thomas Cycling Club. Thanks to Club Secretary Louise Gwilliam, Heads of Music Emma Hickman and Frank Beecher, Head of Social Archie Biltcliffe, and our Honorary President Mike Carr. But most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. <laughs>